Hi, everyone. Welcome. This is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital, Trinity Health of New England. Welcome to another uh, edition of Medically Speaking. It feels like we have been, it was a few weeks since we were here, but the way the calendar worked, um, we had last show off. So we are, we will be here now every other week, unless there's like three Wednesdays in the month, right, Johnny? And I think that messes us up. So we do two Wednesdays out of the month. So um, we will definitely be here hopefully every other week moving forward, unless there's a third Wednesday, then then we kind of get thrown off a bit. So we're excited to be back. I was away on vacation uh, the last week in June. Um, for a very, I haven't been away in a very long time. So it was a much needed respite with my um, children, my husband and my four grandchildren. Um, and I can tell you that is the best vitamin for the soul that there is. Um, and, you know, we've coming off crazy roller coaster as I tend to talk about a lot um, in our program. We talk about the ride that we've all been on for the last several years, um, the COVID ride that we all want to get off and not get another ticket or admission to. Um, but we're riding this roller coaster and the speaker that I have on the line with me tonight, this is quite interesting because this physician was actually the last radio show I did before we went into the shutdown um, and she was a guest with me um, I believe it was like the first week in March of 2020. And I'm so excited to have her back because the topic that we're going to talk about tonight is integrative me medicine and wellness and the programs that we have at Trinity Health of New England. And I have our expert on this on the phone with me, Dr. Kathleen Muller. Hi, Doc. Oh, Robin, I'm so happy to be here. I didn't realize it was the last show. I guess I should have, but... Oh. It was definitely the last show we brought. You know, we were kind of on a hiatus with the radio show for a couple of months, um, maybe a month. And then we brought it back kind of remotely. I was doing it from home and Johnny was doing it from here because we couldn't have anybody in the studio. So I was doing it from home. And a lot of the topics that we had were, of course, COVID, 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 COVID. But it was important information. You know, I had a lot of physician leaders on talking about what patients should do and what we were seeing. And it was important. But the true show itself, um, you know, we didn't really get back to until the fall of 2020 so you know you were definitely the last show before we had the shutdown well happy to be back oh and so excited to have you and so excited to bring this topic back because there's been a ton of growth in our integrative medicine and you of course are at the helm of that being the director of the program and can we tell the audience a little bit more about yourself as a physician and how you got into this yes uh, so I'm a family physician. I'm a board-certified family physician, and I have practiced uh, family medicine since the since I began, since my residency. And even at the beginning of my practice, I really felt like I didn't have enough tools to take care of patients, and particularly for pain. And so early in my career, I started studying things like hypnosis, and 20 years ago, I started studying acupuncture and just sort of natural naturally for me, brought them into family medicine. Mm -hmm. And as that grew, um, St. Francis had their integrative medicine program. They were looking for a medical director. So in 2009, I became the medical director there, but also knowing that I needed more comprehensive education. I had the hypnosis, I had the medical degree, I had the acupuncture. 
And so I did a fellowship in integrative medicine with Andrew Weil out of the University of Arizona. Mm -hmm. And that really allowed me to sort of bring in um, more comprehensive knowledge so that we could expand our program. And we went from uh, having some massage therapy and a little bit of acupuncture to physician consultation, a lot of acupuncture, a lot of massage therapy, some manipulation techniques, guided imagery, um, classes, and now we're able to expand. Not only are we in the Hartford market, but now we get to come down here and be part of St. Mary's. Yes, you are. And and Johnny just said to me, you're sitting up in the prospect office right now. I forgot you're here on Wednesdays. I should have just had you come down the street. I could have picked you up. (laughs) I could have. I didn't even think of it. I didn't even think of it. I could have picked you up. And I was at St. Francis today. So I drove back in, stopped in prospect to water my plants, and then (laughs) came down to the studio. I could have grabbed you. You know, integrative medicine itself, if you look at, you know, we have something on our website, and I love this quote, you know, integrative medicine, we really look at the journey to true health, right, which requires the balance between mind, body, and spirit. And if you look at that as a whole, and you look at that as a practitioner, um, in integrative medicine. What does that mean for you? So I, I think um, I think what it means for, for all of us in our centers is that we really have to individualize the treatment for the person. Although there are things in integrative medicine that are recommended for back pain or neck pain or migraine headaches or allergies, it, it so depends on the person who's sitting in front of us. So it may be that that person has tried a million things already and we have to really individualize the approach. It may be that they have absolutely no idea about what we do and we have to start from the very basics. Mm. So it, it really it takes in, we talk to every single person that we see in our center about food, movement, mind-body medicine, which includes meditation, guided imagery, acupuncture, massage, mm. um, all, all sorts of other other mind-body techniques, and supplements, and we start from where they are. But all, all of those components need to be worked in for somebody to not only just get better, but to stay better. I think what I'm sure this audience loves to hear is that you are a family medicine doctor. Right. So you're an MD. So I think when people think of integrative medicine or holistic medicine, they're not thinking of it as a true practice within the medical field. So I think you're, you know, you yourself being a family medicine doctor brings that credibility to them and that security that you're looking at the whole person. Yeah, and I think it also it also brings I mean, I have 25 years of experience and family docs are specially trained to be able to be on the first in the first interaction on the front lines. And so we have to have knowledge of a whole constellation of symptoms and we have to look at what what the what the diagnosis likely is, but we also have to know what we hope it's not. You know, doing that safety netting right. and I think that helps in an integrative medicine setting um, to make sure that we're not you know, sending someone for acupuncture that may have something much more serious go on, I have the ability to kind of um, see the the red flags and hear someone's story and make sure that integrative medicine is the right path for them. I definitely want to break down some of what you do in integrative medicine, you know, in regards to the different types of therapies. But a question that I have before we go down there is, how does a patient get directed to you? What is, you know, is it a referral from another 
physician um, to complement maybe something that's happening with a patient or another disease process that's going on with the patient? Is it the patient themselves seeking something else they feel that they're missing in their health care? How does a referral come to you and how do you how do you get your patients? In all of those ways. Hmm. So we have people who just Google integrated medicine or have heard of me and Google me or one of our one of our practitioners. We have tons of referrals from our physician base, too. We work really closely with primary care docs and family medicine, internal medicine. We have lots of referrals from neurology and orthopedics and cardiology and rheumatology, um, GYN. We have lots of referrals from physicians because we provide services that most and, and expertise that right. most of their offices do not. And... We have patients who just call us directly, and so you don't need a referral to be seen by me or to be seen in our centers. We really wanted to make sure that there were no barriers to getting people in, and it's lovely when we get a referral because it helps us kind of um, see the the Western medical side as well as the integrative medicine side. How did integrative medicine come come to be? Um, I I think it's been a really interesting... um, sort of gradual response to what patients wanted. Mm. So we started in 2001 at St. Francis because patients who were in the hospital were asking if they could bring in their massage therapist. They were asking if they could bring in, um, I'm gonna use the word alternative, although I don't like alternative because it means like you throw out medicine and you keep, but other types of providers that were commonly seen in the hospital, they were asking for them to come in and we had to have some way to be able to make sure that patients were safe and people were credentialed. And so integrative medicine grew as a volunteer organ, um, sort of program at St. Francis, at least in our area. And then it grew to outpatient and now we're regional for Trinity Health of New England. Now, when a patient is referred to you, what's the first thing that happens? Because you don't know what type of therapy they're going to need, right? Right, right. So some people call and they say, I have back pain. I know I want acupuncture. So (laughs) they just call and they get an appointment for acupuncture. That's great. Other people call and say, I have this condition. What do I do? And when someone calls and they don't know what to do, they usually start with a consultation with me because it's my job to not only safety net and make sure that they're safe and make sure they've had all of the Western medicine that they need, but it's to help them pull the pieces of the puzzle together. So they might need a course of acupuncture, a change in their supplements, and a specific nutritional approach. So then we can kind of pull that all together. We see how that works for a few weeks, and then we do a follow-up to kind of refine and redefine the, the the path that we began on, make sure that it's working, tweak it in any way that we need to. So you're constantly, as you as you're just saying, you're constantly reevaluating that patient and ensuring that you're doing the right complements of treatments for that patient to get them where they need to be. Yes, exactly. If they're not budging, so if it's four weeks and they've already started acupuncture, they've made some nutritional changes, they've done some of the other stuff that we've talked about, and they're getting better and they can see improvement, then we're probably on the right track. If they're not better at all or something else happens, then we've got to kind of shift and we've got to go to the next set of tools that we have. So let's start with some of those therapies and when they're used and how they're used. And what would you like to start with? What's the most common? I think, well, I start with, I start with people's story first. Okay. That is, it's so important Hmm. for people to tell their story. And I get interesting stories that may seem not 
medical, you know, I ask people, what do you think this is? Even if it's not like on an x-ray and people's gut feeling is so important when we're trying to get to the bottom of some of these complicated problems. Mm. And then the second thing that we bring in is food. I ask them how they eat. It literally makes us. Yeah. And so someone who is, most people know if they eat well or if they don't, right? A lot of people come in and say, my food, my nutrition could be better or my nutrition stinks. <laughs> and right there, we, we have a tool to begin. And I, I, people need to understand that if we don't give our bodies what they need to get better, they might get better, but it'll be way slower. Right. So I start there. Do, you know, it's funny, we've talked to you, we keep that term keeps coming up nutrition. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's go down that road a little bit. So, you know, how do you work with, you know, there's so many different dietitians that work with patients, you know, certified diabetes educators. And, you know, we have a ton of programs out there, different, different diets patients follow. What in the integrative medicine department do we do nutrition-wise? What are some of the first things that you do when you focus on the nutrition? So most people know what they should be doing. And most people, as you said, people who have had diabetes have often seen a diabetes educator. And a lot of people have a lot of information, but it often is in the implementation. Mm. And so it depends on where you are. We have people who are vegan, organic, eating really well, really well. And so I encourage them to continue that. We have other people who say, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just not doing it. So the most common recommendation that I have in the first visit is eat a fruit or vegetable every time you put something in your mouth. Mm. It's easy. Yeah, it's super easy. You can have toast and peanut butter for breakfast, but you got to put a fruit or vegetable with it. You can have ice cream for dessert, great, but you got to put berries on it or have a carrot and then have your ice cream, whatever it is. But it, it's a simple tool. It emphasizes the, the important part, which is fruits or vegetables, which we don't get enough of. And then it bumps their fiber and it just helps them think about their nutrition differently rather than saying, go follow this diet. We have 30 years of experience knowing that that does not work. No, it's so funny that you just said this because I'm sitting right here now thinking about dinner, you know, what I had organized for dinner tonight when I go home. (laughs) And one of the things that I started doing is because my husband loves like roasted potatoes, right? He loves Mm -hmm. them. But so now what I do is I take kale and I either roast the kale with the potatoes or I take the kale and I make my kale salad and I put some potatoes on it. And yeah. so now he's get so now he thinks he's eating a huge salad, but he's getting his potatoes at the same time. <laughs> that's that's exactly what we need to do. I learned that from people, you. I did learn. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm glad. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know it sounds crazy or hard, but you have to kind of think about okay, what is it that my family really loves, and then mm-hmm. add that that fruit or vegetable to it. So that they're, you're fitting it in what their favorites are. Yeah, we know that the more variety that you have of fruits and vegetables, the more you're going to eat. So if you have two or three different kinds of fruits or vegetables with, with a meal, you're probably going to eat two or three. The same goes if you have two or three different desserts. Mm-hmm. I know if there's three there, I'm going to eat two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I only have one, right? So I only make... so. More variety with the good stuff, less variety, not, not throwing it away, not, not saying you can't have dessert, but really increasing the variety and the, the amount of fruits and vegetables that we have is so important. Do you find that sometimes it's just the nutrition aspect that brings that person back to center? I do. 
And I also find that it's so critical to keep people there. One of the things I don't want to happen is if someone comes in with migraine headaches and we make some nutritional changes and they get better, I don't want them to have to come back again in six months. I mean, they can, but that's not really the plan. The plan is to give them the tools so that if they begin to have a flare in headaches, they go for a couple acupuncture visits, they realize their nutrition has slid a little bit, they kind of tune it up, and that they can do that on their own. So the nutrition aspect of the program goes hand in hand with some of the other therapies you do. It probably it fits into almost all of them, right? It's probably a yes. component of everything you do. So yes. let's break down some more of what the services are that are provided through your program. You mentioned acupuncture. Can we talk about acupuncture a little bit? Yes, I am so proud of our acupuncture program. I can't even tell you. Mm. So we started with just a few private visits many years ago, and we had a very wise um, acupuncturist, Chris Ganya, who worked with us, um, who suggested we do a community-style acupuncture, and I wasn't really sure it would work. And it just so happens that Chris was working with our current acupuncturist, Heather Finn. Mm. And so these two wonderful people suggested it. And what we do now is we have eight recliners in a room, in a beautiful room. We have lovely spaces in Prospect and in Hartford. Hmm. And a person can get acupuncture. The first visit is um, 40 or $50. And so it's inexpensive. Hmm. It's not private, but it is you sit in a chair with dividers next to you. And Heather does it, or, or whoever acupuncturist is, Heather, Bob, Chris, do a consultation in a separate room, just kind of, finding out what, what your issues are. Then you go in, you relax back in a recliner, you roll up your pants and take off your shoes and socks, roll your sleeves up, and then they place the needles in places that do not make any Western medical sense. So we treat migraine headaches on the hands and the feet. We treat back pain on the limbs as well, not just necessarily needles in the back. And so it allows us to have eight people being treated at the same time, which allows us to increase the number of people that we see a day, which allows us to increase the number of people we can see in a week, allowing wow. people to have the number of treatments that we need. And follow-up visits are 20 30 or $40. $30 covers our cost. $20 doesn't quite. $40 gives a little extra for someone else, and it averages out. Hmm. So people can get a full-fledged acupuncture treatment for $30. Wow. And... Wow. It, it's just amazing to me. And and I guess I would say to you, what are some of the things that you treat? Other, You know, we mm. mentioned migraines. What are some of the things that you treat utilizing acupuncture? So pain is the most common thing. Um, however, post-pandemic, so pain has always been the most common thing. Headaches, neck pain, back pain, uh, like tennis elbow, shoulder pain. Um, that's been always the, the thing that people think about for acupuncture. But Post-pandemic, we've been doing some very interesting um, research. Hmm. Post-COVID syndrome with fatigue, the best tool I have for that is acupuncture. There's wow. no pill. There's no, like, fruit or vegetable you can eat. It, it can be very debilitating for people. And we're finding a response with about 80% of patients within three to four visits, which is astonishing. So wow. fatigue, anxiety, um, digestive issues, GYN issues. We don't think of those things sort of as frontline acupuncture, but it, we do. In, in our center, we do. Right. One does not usually think of that. How does acupuncture work? I love that question because we don't really know. Hmm. There are a number of theories. We know that we have 
pairs of energetic channels that match on either side of our bodies, on the fronts, the backs, the arms, and the legs. We know that we can see these channels and measure these channels with functional MRI. Mm. We know that these channels have been documented for 2,500 years, which just, again, is mind-blowing. And we know that when you activate areas in these channels, that it changes pain, it changes function in the nerves, in the muscles, but also in the central nervous system, so in the brain, in the spinal cord. It has some to do with the local reduction in inflammation in the area where the needle is, but then we can see changes in the brain, too. It has some to do with allowing your body to release our natural morphines, our endorphins, but if you block those, it still works. So there's a whole bunch of theories. We don't know exactly why it works, but it does. So does acupuncture work in the moment and then have some it, lasting effect? Or what you know, what is the best scenario when someone receives acupuncture treatment? Yeah, it can work in the moment. So sometimes there are these um, these quick little treatments that can bring relief almost immediately. And it's it's really fun to watch. Most of the time, however, it's almost like tr- telling your body, giving your body instructions a few times. So let's say you have 10 years of back pain. One acupuncture visit is not going to fix that. Mm. It may help, but it's not going to fix it. Usually it takes four to six visits to notice a difference. And then at that four to six visit mark, we reassess and we decide The patient actually decides with the acupuncturist and with my help if they want it, but usually they don't need me, um, whether or not they continue. If if there's signs of improvement, we continue for a few more weeks, Mm. and then we back off on the frequency of the treatments and see how they do. And see how the patient does. Is, you know, I think all patients would, would say this. Is there any contraindications where someone wouldn't be a candidate to use acupuncture? There are no absolute contraindications, but we are particularly careful with our colleagues that are our patients that are going through cancer treatment mm-hmm. and may be immunocompromised. And so what we do is be someone who's in active treatment for cancer who would like to use acupuncture, um, we reach out to their oncologist and get the oncologist permission first because that's really the oncologist is the captain of the ship at that point. Sometimes we need to wait a few weeks until they're past the heart of treatment. Sometimes the oncologist gives the go-ahead that we can do whatever we want. Uh, But we're really, really careful with our patients who have the potential to be immunocompromised. Is, uh, because we're using needles, you're using needles, um, patients that are on blood thinners, would they be able to take advantage of? Yes, absolutely. We like to know it's a specific question that we ask on our intake forms. If you're on blood thinners, you're certainly more likely to get a bruise from acupuncture if you're on blood thinners. Mm -hmm. But it is absolutely not a contraindication. People on blood thinners can have acupuncture. Yeah, because you're not deep. Exactly. Even if it were, which it's not, um, they're 40-gauge needles. So these little tiny needles, we can fit about 20 to 25 of them in side of the needle that would give you a flu shot. Wow. They're tiny. They're so tiny. Yeah, they're tiny. How yeah. many needles on average will a typical therapy do? It just depends on what you're treating? It does, but I would say most treatments don't have fewer than four to six, mm-hmm. and most treatments don't have more than 
20, and that's like if you're treating both knees at the same time, each, each knee protocol that I use needs 11 needles. So you'd have 22, but only because you're treating both knees at the same time. So you know, you men- you're mentioning, yeah, you're mentioning that with the knees, and I'm thinking joints. So do you utilize this on patients that have issues with their joints and maybe have gone through a replacement or a pending a replacement with arthritis issues? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times people will use acupuncture as they ramp up to their knee replacement so they can remain functional Hmm. so they're in really good shape to have their knee replaced or their hip replaced. Hmm. And this is super interesting. I don't think I've ever gone this far with you with acupuncture. So just so so indulge me. (laughs) Oh, it's this is so fun for me. (laughs) Yeah, indulge me. So for patients, how long is a typical treatment? What could they expect? We have people to people plan on an hour. Okay. So we like people in the chairs for at least 45 minutes. That said, if somebody has to squeeze something in, we could do it in 30 minutes. But it's so nice to plan on an hour to come in, settle in, get the needles, have them in for 45 minutes, kind of slowly come back, you know, because people get profoundly relaxed. We have people who sleep regularly in our clinic. So that's why we like the hour. It just kind of gives you a chance to kind of come back to this world after you're in this like zen place for an hour. Well, yeah, I definitely want to, um, at the end of this program, I want to make sure we talk more about the space that you newly acquired in um, Prospect because it's big Mm. and you have so much room in there, which is so exciting. for a patient that wants to or thinks they're a candidate for this, can they make a consultation appointment with you regarding acupuncture so that you can analyze? Is that the best way to go about it? Yeah, I think that's a great way to go about it. And again, if someone knows they want acupuncture and they've already decided, they don't need me. They can make an appointment. Right. But we do, I, I love doing consultation if people aren't sure or, you know, a lot of times in my consultation, I'll put a needle in so that they can feel it, so they can see it, so they're not worried about it. Well, you know, I'm going to throw it out there because I'm going to advise patients in that be the nurse in me that's going to say, and I've sat with you many times through conversations, I think a consultation with you is a super smart move um, because I think that you know best what path someone can take and if they need other therapies to partner with the acupuncture. So I think a 30-minute consultation is definitely the way to go. I love it. I I think it's a really important part of our program because um, even if someone knows that they want acupuncture for their back pain, I may have a tool that I can use right in the consultation. I do some muscle manipulation techniques and trigger point releases. So people can literally leave the consultation with a 30 to 50 percent reduction in their pain. You know, I don't usually do this mid-show, but what I want to do is sometimes we have people that join us later. I want to um, just make sure everyone knows our program tonight um, is with Dr. Kathleen Muller. She is the medical director of our integrative medicine program um, for Trinity Health of New England in Connecticut, functioning both at St. Francis Hospital in Hartford and now um, in the St. Mary's Hospital Network in our prospect office, um, offering a variety of services. And if you want to know more about it, you can go on our website, trinityhealthofne.org, type in integrative medicine and the contact information and all the services are there. I like to make sure I throw that out a couple of times. Um, Let's talk more about, let's move on to some other therapies. So you also mentioned massage therapy. Yes. 
I think so often, particularly in our culture, massage is looked at as like, oh, Robin, you're so good to yourself. You went for a massage <laughs> on your birthday. And that's great. But I think we forget that massage therapy used in medicine, it's been used for 4,000 years. So 2,500 years for acupuncture, 4,000 years wow. for massage. Wow. And depending on the massage therapist that you have or the approach that you have, it can be a lovely thing for your birthday. Mm. The way that we look at it, though, is if someone comes in, let's see, uh, neck pain is a really common one. It depends on the person's physical exam, but our massage therapists are really skilled at not just working on the neck, but working on the mid to upper back, the chest wall, and in the underarm to help release some of the muscles that may be causing the neck pain. Sometimes it's not just the neck. And they have um, really wonderful experience in um, just just looking at muscular problems a little differently than, than other people do. That this is what they do all day. And so I often refer people to massage and or acupuncture. It's not like you have to do a massage every single week, but it is really therapeutic every other week, sometimes once a month to keep things at bay. Wow. And also, we know that it boosts your immune system. It improves um, uh, the, the, the circulation of fluid in your body. Mm. And particularly in COVID mm-hmm. and with all that we've experienced in the last two and a half years, personally, I do a massage a month to keep really? my... Yeah, so I can turn my head because that's where I put all the stresses in my neck yeah. and make sure my, my immune system is as boosted as it can be. And, you know, our lymph system is our drainage system for the whole body, and that gets backed up like a lot of plumbing does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, moving the fluid around in your body, I, I, I don't know if you want to speak to that, Doc, but I, I know that, you know, we have a lot of people that have, you know, fluid in their extremities or their, you know, their rings get tight or their feet swell at the end of the day, but they just don't take good enough care of their entire body. And that lift system gets backed up and massage yes, therapy can. can help that, right? Yeah, it definitely can. And also, I think that a massage therapist can also find areas of tension or tightness that you might not recognize. Mm. You might not see it, but when they hit it and they, and I don't, I don't mean hit it. That's a, that's a negative term. (laughs) The massage therapist can be as gentle or as, as, um, strong. I, as strong as you want them to be. Right. And that's a really important conversation to have with a massage therapist. You don't just lay there and say nothing. Right. You make sure that this is an interactive um, therapy. And you just, they will go with their instincts and with their skills and their experience, but it definitely needs feedback from both sides. But absolutely, it moves lymphatic tissue. It, it moves the lymph through the lymphatic tissue. And it's just, it's so important. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why there's really great data that shows that it boosts our, our white blood cell activity and our immune system in general. And you know, I, I we used to have someone that was out of our out of the hospital a while back, and I think I'm not sure if St. Francis did too. Um, but working with our our patients on the maternity wing, yes. So a lot yeah, of prenatal I, massage. Yep, yep. How how is that beneficial? I think. So as you go through pregnancy, your joints, you secrete a hormone called relaxin, your joints loosen up, Mm. your muscles have different positioning, you're dealing with um, weight, you know, 
only in the front of your body a lot of times. So your whole body, all of your musculoskeletal system has to adjust to this nine-month process. And so you're going to get some aches and some pains and some shifting. So again, for relaxation, to boost your immune system, but also for discomfort. It can, use, it can be used to prevent discomfort during pregnancy. You know, you mentioned it earlier. Um, you talked about hypnosis. You said it quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that as uh, in the community or you know, in general population, we see hypnosis and we think of some kind of stage show where they're, hip, you know, they're, they're, they're putting someone under and make them do crazy things. And people don't understand the role of guided imagery and hypnosis in helping people to cope with stress, activate the body's own self-healing processes. So maybe talk a little, can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it is, I, I almost hate the word hypnosis mm. because it, it brings so much baggage with it. What it really is, is it's work in meditation with somebody else. Mm. It's a lot easier to get into a focused meditative state using someone's voice to guide you there. Mm. And when we do hypnosis, we can. what I do is I sit with someone and figure out what their goals are. I come up with some language that fits with their story, and you're given suggestions when you're in a deep meditative state. And it's not that I make anybody do anything. I can't. You (laughs) cannot make anyone do anything. The person has to be willing to do it. They have to want to do it. And that's why in those stage shows, you would not see me on that stage. (laughs) I am not, I'm not going to, that's not me. I I can speak in public, but I am not getting on a stage, man, and and doing whatever. (laughs) That's not me. So it wouldn't work for me. And the people you see on the stage are usually the extroverted people who would do that at a party anyway. You know, Um, and I use that, you know, I said that to you tongue in cheek, because I think that, you know, we want people to see that this guided imagery and meditation meditation has such a place in us being able to heal our own bodies. I mean, do you work with patients too to teach them those techniques to do some meditation and relaxation when they're not with you? Absolutely. I I think homework is one of the things that a lot of people don't get from physicians' offices. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have homework every single time somebody comes in because my goal is to teach people how to do the, do it themselves. You don't want to have to go to acupuncture every week for the rest of your life to be healthy, and you don't have to. Right. So we begin working these things in from the beginning. I often start with breath work. Some breath work that we do takes a minute a day. I work a lot with apps for guided imagery so that mm-hmm. if you don't have someone who you want to do, if someone doesn't want to do hypnosis face-to-face, but they can, they can use a guided imagery app, we have a lot of free resources for pain reduction, for anxiety reduction, for pre-surgical preparation. Um, There's a lot of resources out there that we've gathered so that we can share them with patients. You know, I'm going to use myself as an example. So you have that type A personality that comes into Mm -hmm. you that just can never figure out what it is to relax, right? And I know I've done this where I'll go and get a facial and they put that music on and they want me to get into space and I'm like, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> not, and you know me well enough. I'm like, no, that's yep. not going to happen. How do you do that? How do you get them to 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 get them to the place where they can be and get the best out of this technique as possible? How do you get them there? Well, 
Or how are you going to get me well, there? <laughs> yeah, I think most people who come in for hypnosis really want to do it. So that's, mm. that's the first step. And, and I do a consultation first because anyone whose significant other sends them in to quit smoking, it's not going to work. <laughs> you have to be there because you want to be there. Right. And so I sit, we, we, we demystify the whole process. I have people sit in a chair. I don't even have people lie down because people fall asleep when mm. you do guided imagery and you're lying down. So you sit in a chair, we're in an exam room, we're not off in some, you know, la-la land or whatever. And we just begin with a basic relaxation exercise. And I will tell you probably once in 25 years, have I, once or twice, have I had someone who just felt like they couldn't get relaxed when we were doing hypnosis. It's really interesting. And I think the other thing that is a common myth is that when you do guided imagery, when you do hypnosis, that your mind isn't gonna wander and you have to have a completely blank mind. We only have blank minds when we are no longer in this world. Mm. Even when we sleep, our minds are so active, putting away memories and storing things where they're supposed to go. So. In meditation, in hypnosis, when your mind goes to, oh, I have to pick that up at the grocery store, or <laughs> I forgot to do this at work today, the work is coming back to the thing that you want to focus on. Someone's voice, uh, an image, a thought, breath work. Um, that's the work of meditation. Sometimes when I'm meditating, I have to do that 500 times in wow. 15 minutes. Just and to bring yourself times, back. Yeah. yeah, and that's the work, mm. and that's the training. It's like exercise. Yeah. You don't go out and run 10 miles. You run one mile, and then you run two, and then you run five. So it's the same idea. We have this misnomer that some people can just do it, and other people can't. And I think for you and I, the type A doing <laughs> 4,000 things at once, it's probably even better for us. Yeah, I, I wish I had you in my ear the other night when I woke up at 4 in the morning and I couldn't stop thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have those racing thoughts. And, you know, you hear so much and you see so many. There's a lot of news anchors on TV that talk about um, doing this. And, and they're all writing books, of course, and stuff. But, you know, we see a lot of people um, saying that they've used these techniques and they live by them now just to reduce that stress in their life. I wish that this was something that was taught to everyone somewhere yeah. somehow to take care of better care of ourselves me too you know because we you know we talk about diet exercise all the things you should do right but we don't talk about what our mind can do right and and, and we don't realize how much control we have mm -hmm. and, and we but we have to learn how to use that control we literally can sit here and do four slow deep even breaths and we can reduce our blood pressure slow our heart rate, and improve the oxygenation to ourselves. Hmm. And it's impossible to be anxious when you're able to breathe slow and deep and even and regular. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, you've said that before. We've done, you know, a few different um, presentations. And, you know, you talk about that if you're just conscious of your breaths. Mm-hmm. And breathing in and breathing out, you can get yourself into a better place. I mean, that's simple, right? We can all do that. Yes. You know, I also think that it it helps uh, when you practice it regularly. Yeah. It helps you feel when you're going to get more anxious. When you the early signs, and it's way easier to address 
in the early stages so you can bring the breath work in when you feel like your hands are clenched a little bit or mm-hmm. your jaw's a little bit tight before you go down that rabbit hole. It's so true. You know, I think of you it, as I'm rushing from meeting to meeting or now teams meetings to team meetings and not taking a minute in between, not giving ourselves that time in between. And, you know, not just in that world, but, you know, a, a mom, a dad running their kids back and forth here and there and work and, you know, not taking that minute to bring themselves back to center because you just you don't realize it. it's taking a toll on you physically. And we're better when we take that minute. One right. of the most important tools I've learned in, and I learned in my fellowship is called two feet, one breath. Hmm. And it was, it was four positions, but you stand outside the door before you go in the exam room with your two feet and you take one breath hmm. and you imagine just leaving all the stuff that you have from the morning or the afternoon or whatever outside the door. And then you go in the room. And I think we can use that before we get on a team's meeting, right? Wow. Although you had 30 meetings before that, the next meeting does not hinge on all that other stuff that you've done. So one breath, I imagine I'm taking off a coat, leaving it outside the door with all the stuff I got to carry. Then I come back out and I put it back on again because you can't forget it. Right. But two feet, one breath is so powerful before we talk to our kids, before we, I don't know, get out of the car before we go to work. Yeah. Right? Just to settle ourselves and start in a better place. You know, I was just thinking that, you know, before you walk in the door after work, right? just stopping for a minute. Sometimes I do that. I pull into the garage and I sit there for a minute. Yeah, I I think it's important to have a divider between those worlds, Mm. mostly for us, but also for our families. Yeah, we don't. And, you know, in today's world, we have no boundaries. There's no more. There's no more boundaries. And I'm sure that you see that a lot now when when patients are coming in um, looking for some other way to deal with their pain, their stresses. There's no boundaries for them. You know, if I go to the doctor just myself, I I know I had to go to the eye doctor last week. My phone went off 100 times. Everybody was looking for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I've started leaving my phone in the car when I go into the appointment. Well, I, so less stressful for you. You'll get to it. And, and I think it, we have to decide, too, you know, for you, you know, the next moment of your job does depend on your emails. For me, <laughs> my job does not depend, like, I got to answer them. I got to, but I don't need to, to answer them every five minutes in between patients. It's right. just going to distract me. Absolutely. And so I answer them when I get to work. I Absolutely. do it at lunch and I do it before I go, you know. Absolutely. So I think finding a place. So that we can separate. It's so important. Absolutely. And and knowing who's important, what's important, and what can definitely wait. Yeah. Yep. You Hard never do, make me wait, though, Doc. You never make me wait. <laughs> I try. You I, never I, make me wait. So, you know, a couple of things I wanted to hit before we talk a little bit about the expansion to the prospect offices. You know, we, we kind of touched on, you know, cancer patients. And what are some of the therapies that can help? Like, you know, we do have our MS um, patients, we you know, a large MS population that with our MS centers that we treat. Are those some patients you see, our MS patients, our cancer patients, and what are some of the therapies that really benefit? I, I think it depends. Those two populations mm. are, you know, they, they have conditions, right. but depending on where they are in their disease course mm. uh, and their illness course, they have massively different symptoms. So right. our patients with MS, Fatigue is one of the things that we see a lot. Mm. And again, our, we did a study, um, it was now eight years ago that we did a study to show that acupuncture made a statistically significant difference with fatigue. Mm. So that's lovely. But also the importance of nutrition. There mm. are some 
um, some studies that are showing that different nutritional approaches may be beneficial depending on what type of um, MS the person has. Mm. Absolutely mind-body medicine and some sort of contemplative practice like meditation, breath work, guided imagery for someone who deals with the stress of having a chronic illness. Yes. yes. And you, you've brought yeah. together all the disciplines. That's what I was looking yeah. for because they all yeah. have a place, right? They do. They do. And the same thing with our cancer patients. Mm. It depends on where they are in their stage of treatment. People with pain, we've got something for them. People who are just, it's so enormously stressful Mm. to be treated for cancer. We have some of the most wonderful human beings I've ever met in our oncology department. And that makes a massive difference. It doesn't take the stress away. It just can't. No. And so people need resources and tools that they can use at home, that they can use during infusions, mm-hmm. they can use when they're waiting in the doctor's office. Yeah. And they need tools for their families as well. It's so true. You know, I, I, you know I've definitely dealt with this, um, and I think we all have, um, on personal levels. And, you know, our oncology team is so focused on attacking that cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And the treatment itself and how it affects um, all the other um, systems in our body to make sure they're healthy enough to undergo the treatment. But there's so much that integrative medicine can do to complement that treatment and make it go even work better to some degree because they're helping the body to accept and helping the yeah. body to go down that path of, of all those medications and, and, you know, all the different side effects that happen. So I'm sure there's so many different things that you can do in integrative medicine to complement that. Yes, there's a lot. And that's when I really think a consult is really mm-hmm. necessary because it's so individual. And what I can help do is sort of lay out the menu of services and options that we have and then the person going through treatment can change it and and access those things as they need them and another key thing is you you work with all of your all the physicians it's it's a team approach so you know the oncologist the primary care doc or the neurologist or you know whoever the the physician that is in that patient's plan of care and you can see everything on the health record which allows you to look at the complete patient right it really does that's been game-changing it's been so wonderful to be able to access records. I can look at them before people get here, have an idea of where they mm-hmm. want to go. I won't know until I hear their story, but at least I can have a foundation, and then we can use the whole time together just designing their plan. So, excitingly, because this has done such amazing, you've done such amazing work in in Hartford at our sister hospital, St. Francis, um, spanning this through Connecticut and bringing it um, to the Waterbury market in Prospect. Um, I know that that was it was it was a long time coming, but we found the perfect space um, at 166 Waterbury Road in Prospect, right where our primary care office is um, on the first floor. So easy access for patients with handicap parking. Yeah. Um, what services have you brought there? I, I'm hoping most of them have come down. Yes. So I am down here on Wednesdays. Um, we have an acupuncturist who is here, and he is our prospect acupuncturist. And I just hired a massage therapist, and she will begin at the end of this month here. And so we will have a full complement of services here in Prospect, which is so 
fun for me. It's so exciting. This has been, you know, I've been talking about this for a long time. And now we have the right space at the right time with the right team of people. So it is so exciting. Yeah, we looked at a few spaces. I mean, it's bounced around Mm -hmm. a bit. But, you know, of course, with COVID, a lot of things changed and we moved some things around. So this was definitely, I think, worth the wait for you. Absolutely worth the wait. And um, I guess I would, you know, I would ask that, you know, for it doesn't matter what number they call when a patient wants to or can they should they just go on the website? So the website has the main number and we are um, because Hartford is open for longer hours than mm-hmm. Prospect is right now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're having all the initial phone calls go through our main office so that we can make sure people are scheduled appropriately and that they don't have to leave a message. And and um, it's working really very well. When you call, you can book in Hartford or in Prospect, all from the same place. Yeah, that, that uh, We want to make it easy. Yeah, that yeah, makes we sense. We want to make it easy. So now, and, and you know, we have a couple more minutes, but I want to make sure that I, you know, again, refer to the patient. So if you go to trinityhealthofne.org and you you type in integrative medicine um, towards the bottom of the page. It's contact us and the phone number's there, 860-714-8392. That's 860-714-8392. I moved my finger away from it too quickly. Um, <laughs> one more thing that um, I wanted to maybe just talk about for five minutes because we've been talked. I didn't want the whole program to be about it, but you mentioned a little bit um about treating our post-COVID patients. What are you seeing and what have you seen um, since COVID um, and and now with patients? I know we, we keep calling them long haulers, but maybe expand a little bit more on what you've seen and how that's changed some of the therapies for you. It really has. And it just sort of um, naturally migrated integrative medicine because once we do the pulmonology assessment and the cardiology assessment and all of the blood work and everything and everybody looks fine on paper and on film, Mm. we're still left with uh, lack of sense of taste or smell, enormous fatigue, shortness of breath that just is not explained by the pulmonary function testing and all the stuff that we do in our labs. And those are the main symptoms that we see. And it's really frustrating. And for some people, completely debilitating. And so it does take a whole person approach to be able to um, to begin to heal from that. We always start with food and movement. We're very careful with a graduated exercise program, particularly when people are so fatigued. If you jump back into things too quickly, we're learning, then you set yourself back two steps. So food, uh, graduated exercise program. There's some supplements that are showing some promise with some people, but they're very individualized depending on the symptoms. We're using um, massage therapy has been really interesting with um, shortness of breath that seems to be coming from the muscles in the diaphragm not working properly. Really? Yeah, really. And, and all of this, what, what is so fascinating is we know so little about about this we're we're just learning it's only been two and a half years and so when we see these patients this interesting group of people in our integrative medicine centers really have a different view of medicine and and health and so i learned so much from my colleagues about oh well why don't we try this 
for um, Joe Smith because this is what I'm seeing. And so we're putting together new protocols every week when we learn something new. And acupuncture, um, I think I mentioned, is a lovely way to address the fatigue piece Mm -hmm. as we work on the other stuff. You know, and it's, I'm sure it knows no age, right? Because I think people kept hearing that, well, you know, mostly the people that are getting sicker or the patients that are older, but I'm sure you're not seeing that. I think, I bet you that you're seeing many ages. Yeah, we're seeing many ages. And I think we just got some data on the massive increase in anxiety and depression, whether or not you had COVID, in our 25 to 40 year olds. That's who it's affecting the most right now. And it's three times the incidence that it was in 2019 with anxiety and depression. Because they don't know what's wrong with them. Yeah, They figured, you know, they were healthy enough, they got over it, but what? why do I feel yep. not right? Like, I don't feel like yep. I did before COVID. I've heard that in that population. Yep. Why don't I feel the way I felt before I had COVID? What did this do to me? Yeah, and it's really, it's really scary. Mm. So we can help people with some tools that are really, that are working very nicely. Unbelievable, Doc. I just, I can't thank you enough for being part of the program again and um, bringing and sharing with us the growth of the program, which to me is super exciting um, because I know even during COVID, we had to go on a hiatus a bit um, with this type of programming. So to be able to have this back and personally be able to touch patients with acupuncture, massage therapy, meeting with them about their nutrition, doing the guided imagery and and hypnosis. All those things are so important to the complete care of a patient. And this program is immeasurable to have. And not not all of institutions are as lucky to have this program. And of course, having someone like you lead it. So I'm so excited that we're growing. Me too. So excited. And so, thank do you, you want to leave? Thank you so much pa- for your focus. Oh, are you I, kidding? I, think- I love it. <laughs> and I want to, you know, definitely make sure that you have an opportunity to leave our audience with one last piece. So, this is again Dr. Kathleen Muller. She is the medical director of our integrative medicine program um, regionally, um, focusing right now in the Connecticut market at St. Francis and St. Mary's. And what would you like to leave everyone with tonight? I think just don't forget that we can learn how to get ourselves well. We need consultants. We need to work with our Western medical system. But you have so much um, power and knowledge about your own health, and we can help you figure out how to use that as well. Awesome. Doc, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk soon. We will. Have a great night. You too. Thank you, everyone, for joining me tonight. That's Dr. Kathleen Muller. Um, You can um, call our integrative medicine team, 860-714-8392, for appointments in Waterbury and in Hartford. Have a great night, um, and stay well. We'll be back in two. 